You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, it's John Nemo. I'm the reviews editor over at MyMac.com. We are always looking for motivated, interested, and reliable writers to write for our publication. If you think you can do it, get in touch with Mark. He'll let you know how to contact me, and I'll be in touch with you shortly. We appreciate it very much. Thanks. Welcome to the Geekiest Show Ever, episode 82. On today's show, I have joining me, as always, Kevin Alder. Kevin, how are you going? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm full of Chinese carryout. It's the weekend. I'm you, relaxed. You know what? We I'm call just... it takeaway. We, we don't call it carryout, but it kind of kind of makes sense that you would carry it out because you, you guys have Chinese in those little weird square kind of tall boxes, don't you? Well, some of it depends on what you get. Okay, because I mean, we, like, we, we, ne- we never get that. We, we literally have plastic containers that everything will come in. So it doesn't matter whether you have like a, a, a curried prawn or whether you have, you know, a steamed dim sim, fried dim sim. It's all coming in, in you know, the, the sort of plasticky kind of bad for the environment, but supposedly recyclable containers. Well, no, now see, now I had a combination fried rice, which had shrimp, chicken and pork in it. Uh, for me, and that was in the 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 cardboard container type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I had shrimp tempura as a, as a as an appetizer on the side. Then the rest of the family had various versions of uh, rice noodles with either shrimp or chicken, but they were in the round plastic containers. Yeah, I, I, I take it if you've got something saucy, <laughs> there's no way you can can have it in the the actual paper-based containers, the cardboard containers, otherwise it'd be a, a little bit of a soppy mess. Well, I guess then I wouldn't fit in a cardboard container because I'm kind of saucy. <laughs> oh, boy. And the show's already gone downhill, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? That's a shame because the man who shall remain name was actually said to me this last week that last week's show was the best show that we've done in a very, very long time. So I, I appreciate that feedback unfortunately he did uh, have another go at me during this week though because you know we were talking about uh the tweetbot um app um it is tweetbot isn't it yes yes yeah I'm, I'm thinking of the company the company's name i think is tweetbots no it's tapbots tapbots there we go see I, I don't know what i'm talking about but anyway we, we were talking about that how it was in alpha and how it was in beta and you know he said to me that you know, how can I possibly be a geek because, you know, I don't have... I'm, I'm not prepared to run Alpha or Beta software. And I turned around and I said, well, look, I've only got the, the one main production machine. I don't want anything on it that's going to, you know, possibly cause any conflicts. And, and he still didn't get it. It's like, oh, you're not a geek. You shouldn't be hosting Geekiest Show ever. Now, I just want to clarify something. And this is based on Wikipedia. And, and this is the... The first little section of what a geek in the slam in the slang term sort of refers to. So the word geek is slang term for odd or non-mainstream people. So frankly, Kevin's odd, I'm odd, and we're certainly not mainstream. With different connotations ranging from a computer expert or enthusiast to a person heavily interested in a, interested in a hobby. So for instance. I might want to, I don't know, uh, wash cars, and that could be my hobby, and I could, I could be a, a geek 
washing cars and, and you know what? We know someone who will literally wash everyone's car. Doesn't matter whose it is. If it comes across and it's dirty, she wants to wash it. So she, I, I know, she's and a, that makes me want to drive my truck out there and let her wash it. <laughs> you know, so you can be a geek regardless of what you're doing. So, so Mr. Who, Mr. Who shall run... Uh, Mr. Who shall remain nameless, you can take your geek ideas and you can shove them because it doesn't matter. You don't have to... If you're a geek, you don't have to run alpha software and be uber cool and be ahead of everyone else. I call you a bloody idiot if you run alpha software on your main computer anyway. So, uh, oh boy, I'm sure he'll give us some feedback now. But you know what? I like creating controversy and, and stirring the virtual pot, Kevin. And, you know, it disappointed me with that comment, though, because a a geek is whatever you want it to be. It's whatever passion you have, and it should never be pigeonholed. I I think that's one thing that we've really got to make clear, is that geekery cannot be pigeonholed. It cannot be put into, you know, one set category. So it can't be put into a set category, because then that restricts us, then... We're not automated. Okay, so if we get restricted and pigeonholed, then we become part of the mainstream. But we're geeks. We don't want to be part of the mainstream. That's the whole plan. That's the whole idea. Yeah, I, I've never been in the mainstream. I've been in the stream. I've been in the stream without any clothes on, but I've never been in the mainstream. So, but... um no, I agree. I mean, because I geeked out about a lot of things. I mean, I used to be, and I still like it. I just don't have the time or the energy to do it. I was a big U.S. stamp collector when I was a kid. You talk about hanging a kick-me-in-the-ass sign around your neck <laughs> waiting for people to do something. Being a stamp and a U.S. coin collector is like, holy crap. I mean, I didn't get beat up, but, I mean, it was like, you know, how much more weird can you be? But... um you know, it, it, you can geek out about anything. We geek out about computers. We geek out about stamp collections. I geek out about uh, American football. You know, you, you, TV shows. Um, uh, you know, just different things. I geek out about podcasts because I listen to so many podcasts. Mm-hmm. So you could almost call and and the fact that we now have our own podcast. So I mean, that's like a recursive geek. Yeah, and podcasting isn't for normal people. I mean, look at us. It doesn't matter. Well, of course, unless you're Leo Laporte. I've got to be quite honest. Leo never got back to me. I don't know whether the listeners let me down and and didn't tell him that I was pissed off, but he never got back to me. He never got in touch to say, hey, you guys are full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about, and I'm about to come on your show to prove you wrong. I don't know. I'm calling him yellow. A little bit chicken. Ah. You're throwing down the gauntlet. You know what? Either that or he just doesn't want to lower himself to our level. It is pretty low. Yeah. About you and I. But hey, at least we don't advertise Ford on a technology (laughs) show. I mean, at at least we have our morals. We we turn down Ford in a second. Wait a minute. Let's not say we have morals. I draw the line at saying I have morals. I don't like to. I don't want to pigeonhole myself. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ethical. I'm. Yeah, I'm ethical. <laughs> but you know, you, you you talk badly about the man who shall remain nameless. But I just got lit. We were talking about geeking out on podcasts. I just got done listening 
to episode three of our friend Mike McPeak's show, Bard on the Plains. Mm -hmm. And He Who Shall Remain Nameless was on there. That was a good show, too. I haven't listened to that one yet. I'll have to definitely... It's in my my stream, but but so is about 50 other shows. Actually, we we started talking about our shows last week, and we never did compile that list. I think it's just massive. Oh, crap. Yeah, we need to do that. So to our listeners, we apologize. We didn't do all of our homework. Um, I think Mark should be spanked for not doing his homework. Don't... I mean, I you know I think corporal punishment's quite in order for you. <laughs> you know what? I might actually like that. So we better be careful. <laughs> oh, there came another mental image I didn't need. <laughs> hey, it depends who spanks me. Well, now now you're that... bringing up depends. We don't want to talk about your undergarments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we go down that rat hole, let's let's bring it back around to uh, what we were talking about about uh, geeking out and, and and all that. So you were you were talking about the various ways you can be geek, and I was Absolutely. saying, yeah, you know, I've been a geek about that. But you know, I think the the negative connotation. I mean, the movies. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds, uh, which I love the movie, it's hilarious, uh, and all that, uh, really do stereotype geeks in, in a less than positive way. But, uh, you know, it's not such a bad well, thing to be a geek. People look let, up let's to be us, quite, They do. Let, let's be quite honest. All these people who used to have, you know, make fun of geeks, at nerds, and, and so forth, guess what? We're the ones, not me, of course, but, you know, the community of nerds and that are the, are the people who, you know, deliver this wonderful technology to you. If you're using an iPhone or an Android phone or something, that was created by the nerd or the geek that you used to bash up behind the, the toilets at school. Talk about hypocritical when you think about it. It's like, come on, <laughs> you know, and not that anyone normal is going to listen to this show, but, you know, it, it is one of those things that, you look at something and it's still termed as a geek being, you know, a computer hacker kind of thing. It's like, no, it, you know, I class myself as a hardcore geek, but I love sci-fi movies. You know, someone else may love comedy movies and they'll be a, a hardcore geek for comedy movies. Um, you know, I, I sort of, geek, I, I just find anything that you can geek out on that's a passion, that's what geek means to me. And... You know, if that doesn't mean the same to other people, then you need to go and look up the word geek and and sort of figure out what it means to you. Because if it's purely only derived in in computers and technology, you've got the wrong end of the stick. It can be anything. It can be a car enthusiast. Someone who, you know, goes and and looks after it, you know, buys a lovely car that they love and, and treats it like we treat our computer equipment. They geek out on that, you know, and you've just got to look at it in those terms. It's a much broader range of, of people, and, and really everyone has part of a geek in them because everyone's got a hobby. If you don't have a hobby, I feel sorry for you, but everyone's got something that they like to do and that they like to enjoy themselves. So they geek I out mean, on it. I, I mean, I work with uh, some people that, or have worked with, I should say, that were you know, big. Into, I worked with some uh, female coworkers that were big into shoes, so they were shoe geeks, and that was okay. I mean, I had and they're, and they're worse than us. Oh, women buying shoes, crikey! Uh, what now? I'm not 
No, you know, everybody <laughs> geeks. And I had one that was, she was a geek. She bought scarves. This lady, and she was the sweetest lady. I, I dearly miss working with her. She had, she had enough scarves, I swear, that she could probably go eight months and wear a scarf or two scarves a day and never wear the same one twice. Hmm. I mean, she just wow. had to, and she had, she, it was just her thing. Yep. It, it was her thing. You know, it's, I, everybody geeks out about something a little different. And I agree with you. Everybody has their own inner geek. They just need to embrace their inner geek as, as we say every week. That's very true. So, so the, the man who shall remain nameless, I category, dis, uh, I category, <laughs> I categorically disagree with you. And um, please go and look up the meaning of geek before further commenting on this topic. Anyway, <laughs> now, 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 tell, now tell our listeners why about the software that you were talking about. Well, we, we were talking about TweetBot on the Mac, you know, and this is the, the whole thing that, that sort of started the you can't be a, you know, geek if you don't run alpha, beta software. You can't run a version 1.0 software if, you, if you're a geek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the good thing is TweetBot has been released for the Mac on uh, the Mac App Store. But for 20 bucks. And I know there's people listening to this show who are going, oh, please, Mark, don't complain, don't complain, don't complain, go along with it. Yeah, perhaps. Let's look at it in, in this way. Apple takes their 70%. So the TweetBot guys... Act, no, sorry, they take their 30%. So the TweetBot guys end up getting... What, $14 out of the, the $20 sale. They lose about $6 uh, from the sale of the item after after Apple's taken their fee. So $14 is more reasonable than $20. And, you know, they, they've done this so that they can offer support because I, I believe that they're under restrictions under the new Twitter APIs and, and so forth that they can only have 100,000 seats assigned to the specific app. So 100,000 users can buy it, but once 100,000 users have bought it, then I don't believe that they can continue selling the product and continue signing up new users. Now, if that's the case, you look at what they're going to generate out of the sale of this. And sure, it's a decent sum of money, and it's going to be there to support users in the immediate term over the next 6, 12, maybe 2 years. But how are they going to go five years from now in supporting users? It, yeah, I, yeah. It's, re it's really tricky. And then if Twitter throws something wacky out there and says, hey, guess what? You, we have to change this again. Then it's going to be even harder for them. And, and you know, what, what's the end user that spent $20 going to do? You can't go and get a refund. Yeah. You know, the guys at TapBots produce some awesome applications. I mean, I use TweetBot on my phone and on my iPad. It's it's a gorgeous application. But now I wonder, are are they going to be stuck? I guess I haven't paid enough attention to it. Um, and yes, that's a little minus half, one half geek point. To know if it's going to, that is that limit of 100,000 users the same on the uh, iPhone and the iPad versions of the application? I mean, or is it just because that we haven't crossed that threshold yet that that everything's okay? I mean, the the application works wonderfully. I like the fact that it does sync. 
I had never used a Twitter application that uh, synced. In other words, it kept track of if I'd already read the tweets or been through the tweets, you know, and synced over and didn't force me to reread the same tweets um, on the other device. Now, I quit using the alpha version of TweetBot on my Mac a while back, and full disclaimer, probably because it wasn't running well under the Lion. Yeah, so that's why I wouldn't run it because I didn't want instability. So, but I mean, it it just quit. Um, it quit updating, and I, you know, I'm not. I don't blame the guys. It was a free piece of software, so I'm not going to yell at somebody when they give us a free piece of software. It had a nice interface, um, and I ended up going back to. Um, let's see if I can say it without cussing. Yo, Fukuru, or Yoru Fuku, <laughs> whatever. I could never say it. Now. You know. You, you can swear it. It doesn't matter. But, uh, and you know, one of the big things I forgot that I missed about it, uh, you, you, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, fuck a room. Yeah, was the, uh, I like hitting enter, just like I'm back in the days when I used to write code. Yeah. Hit enter and send the tweet. Yeah, you can't I do that in Tweetbot, which is, button. yeah, it, it's a little bit annoying that, that sort of Tweetbot and uh, thing. I, I find that's a, a struggle as well. I mean, it's good if you want to paragraph your tweets, but, you know, at the same time, it's 140 characters. How many paragraphs are you going to do? Um, you know, it, it's just one of those really good apps. I, I certainly love it on the iPad and the, the iPhone. But I just really, really um, question, you know, the longevity of this and, and just what could happen. And, you know, and the other thing is, too, I, I really, to be quite honest, I don't use uh, my Mac for tweeting a lot. And when I do, I've just got the standard Twitter app and TweetDeck on there, and they handle the, the needs that I, I have occasionally. Otherwise, all my tweeting is done on my iPhone predominantly. So I look at twenty. I sorry, Kevin. I, I was just going to say I look at twenty dollars, and I think, well, you know, Mac OS uh, basically costs that same kind of money, and I got a whole operating system versus just a, a single app to do one thing. And then, for instance, I won't pay twenty dollars for a movie I really love, you know, on, on either DVD or or, or uh, download via iTunes. I, I wait for that to come down in price. So, you know, $20 for me, whilst, you know, I've got the money to do it and that's not so much of an issue, it makes me think twice about, ooh, do I really want to spend that much money on a single app that I'm going to use, but maybe not all the time? No, well, that's where you and I differ a little bit. I know you spend more time on your iOS devices than I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, now, during the day, like at lunchtime, if I'm tweeting, I'm tweeting from my phone, um, I don't take my iPad to work with me, so it's my phone. If we're, although even that lately, that's not as true as it used to be. If we, we were in the family room watching a movie, I usually had my iPad with me and just kind of cursory looking, so I do there. But the way uh, with the office move and everything and the new setup, that I end up sitting at my desk watching television because I just have to turn to one side and then I have Twitter running. So I'm kind of tweeting and chatting and watching something with the family and I'm multitasking. I'm the <laughs> ultimate multitask. And know, then this past I week I added to my little workspace. I bought myself this cool lamp, um, which you can't see cause it's behind the, the computer. Oh, so that makes my little work, little work area and stuff. 
more cozy and more. Mm-hmm. I've gone from man cave to man cocoon. <laughs> so I, I've condensed myself down. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? I actually I've stopped uh, tweeting uh, while I'm watching TV and spending time with the family. Now I just don't do it, and and it's actually rather funny because I'll I'll tweet generally in the morning, and they'll be replying to messages that are 24 hours old, and, and Batman comes up and says, "It's just you know, it's laugh out loud." You know, I, I love your tweets when they're you know so so old and so forth and it's like well you know i just want to reopen the wound again so that we can have another <laughs> argument over the topic but um you know it, it's very hard because we're, we're both pretty big fans of twitter we probably do 90 percent of our socializing uh with people online via twitter and it's very hard to switch off but the problem i've had for the longest time is i can go and sit through a whole movie and my stream gets so long that, and with all the replies that I do and everything, that I find that I don't end up watching the movie. I just end up watching, you know, my my stream, and then I poke my head up and, oh, what did I miss? What, what, why the hell is he doing that? <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I turn off. I, you know what? I've actually turned off all the notifications on all my gear. I did that this week because I had a bit of a bad week to begin with. Uh, real estate agents, I throw you in the same boat as I do lawyers. I wish we could sink you all. Anyway, um, <sighs> so I've just pissed off anyone who's a real estate agent. I hope no one we actually like is a real estate agent because I know that we, we actually like people who are lawyers. But, you know, some some people <laughs> just shouldn't be doing certain professions. Um Anyway, as a result, we're going to move in a month's time, and I'm happy about that. We finally made the decision to go fuck you and and make a change. Um, so we we actually might get Mike back to do an episode while I'm while I'm moving, and uh, see if we can do an episode with you. You know what? That that'll please the listeners because there's people out there who just don't like me, Mark Shepard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, just saying. Um, you know what? I totally went down a rat hole, Kevin. Pull me back, please. I beg of you. You were, the, you were going to talk about real estate agents and how bad they were. And then um, we were talking about... Um, oh, crap. No, oh, I well, yeah, I, I had a bad week. So I turned all my, my Twitter, Twitter notifications, email notifications. Everything went on silent. Because what I found is I came to Wednesday... And realized, oh crap, I haven't done any work this week. I spent Monday and Tuesday crapping on the phone with the the real estate agent. Then I I spent the same amount of time on Twitter dealing with just friends and so... And I shouldn't say dealing, because I do enjoy it. But, you know, when you've actually got work to do and commitments to do and deadlines to meet, uh, you should just turn everything off (laughs) and just not worry about it. Because otherwise what happens... Is you get into a discussion like I did on, I believe it was Tuesday. So this was an argument between myself, the man who shall remain nameless, Pat Mann, and and, uh, Tim Robertson. Now, what we ended up doing was after having an hour and a half Twitter argument back and forth about this new stupid iPad mini that hasn't even been announced, we then went on to have a monumental three and a half to four hour Google Plus handout to discuss our opinions and thoughts. And look, it was great. It was absolutely wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
but I didn't get any work done. So I, I just, I, I woke up Wednesday and went, screw this. I have to turn it all off. I don't care if someone berates me on, on Twitter or something. I'm not going to respond. I'm not even going to look at it. I'm going to completely ignore it. Um, and you know what? That works. And I think you do need to do that from time to time because otherwise you have sort of information conversation overload. And um, yeah. certainly the, well, you know. the last few days I've enjoyed turning it off and just sitting down and watching a movie when I've got some spare time or watching a TV show uninterrupted. Well, you know, with with what I'm doing at work right now, I I'm so into it, and there's so many little pieces of the project that I'm working on. Um, I got like four different work streams that I'm involved in on this project, so it's hard for me to keep an eye on Twitter. So I just eventually just I give up. If I'm on Twitter, it's because I'm on lunch break. Uh, I might be walking between buildings on campus. And that's about it until I get home in the evenings and I sit down here by the computer and the TV here in the family room and the kids might be chatting. I'll be carrying on conversation with the kids and or my wife or something and we're doing other things and I'll have Twitter on and I'll keep an eye on it. But, you know, what you've noticed, you see how at night you and I will have discussions. There's a certain type of even, time of evening I jump online. I tend to be more active. But I do the same thing about, you know, replying to stuff that's, a few hours old, but I mean, you know, you, you say you're bad about it, but we both know Melissa, the Mac mommy. <laughs> I mean, she, it can be days, bless her heart, that before she'll reply to some tweets. But yeah, and, but, know, then, when, but then the funny thing is you'll get just an overabundance of tweets coming from her at the same time. You know, she'll, she'll be up one night with the kids or something, the kids aren't sleeping, and she will just be the, the tweetaholic. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She'll just she'll just jump in, and I'll get up in the morning because so, I'll check the Twitter stream maybe before I leave for the office or something like that. It's like, holy crap! And <laughs> I'll see all this stuff out there, and, uh, and and she could, of course, her and I are. I mean, you and I are multi-time zones between you and I. Mm-hmm. There's two time zones between Melissa and I. I'm on East Coast, and she's on Mountain, and sometimes. West Coast time, depending on the time of year, because I think where they live in Arizona, it doesn't always switch. I forget now. Hmm. It's strange. Well, sometimes in Arizona, I think it sticks to San Francisco time um, for part of the year. And so it it does make it confusing. You know what? Talking about being a geek, whenever I book a show with anyone, uh, you know, if you turn around to me and say, you know, what time can we record? Uh, you know what, I, I can always look up and say, okay, well, I, I know that it's 7 p.m. in New York, um, so I know that that's your time zone. So I, I do that, but then if we want to sort of schedule a time, uh, then I'll go to timeanddate.com, put in all the cities, uh, and then go and, and sort of say, hey, you know, um, let's have a look at, at dates and times. And then you can literally select the date and time that suits. So I can actually get all worldwide time zones in at the one time. If I can get someone in the UK recording at 10 p.m. at night, then I can do not another Mac podcast with someone in, on the East Coast in the US, West Coast in the US, then in London, and then in Australia. And I can do that really yeah. comfortably. There, there's like an hour overlap where that actually works <laughs> in the day. And it's 
But the problem is it only happens during our summertime. When it goes and, and we change our da- daylight savings, it's then 11 p.m. at night for the guys in the UK. So it means I've got to get up at, you know, 5 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. kind of thing. Um, but that's that's real hardcore geeky, in my opinion, when you, you're trying to set up times. And, and I obsess over it. I spend a good couple of hours every week booking shows and booking different time zones. And, and even when I'm not doing shows, even when I'm just making appointments with people. Um, so my world isn't in Australia. And I don't think anyone knows me in Australia. I walk into an Apple store out here. <laughs> they don't know who Mark Greentree is, the writer, the reviewer. They don't know who, uh, they don't know not another Mac podcast or geeky show. They don't know, man. Look, I don't know if they'd know me in the US either, but, um, it's one of those things that I feel very lonely and isolated out here. I know that there's, you know, Mac geeks out here, and I know that there's a few of them, but there's not nearly as many. Don't blow me kisses, Kevin. That That's pathetic. <laughs> that that makes me feel bad. And sloppy kisses, too. <laughs> so you're feeling lonely and bad that you're out there all alone. Well, look, you know, I, I do know a few people in Australia, which is great. Um... But I know a lot more people in the US and in in the UK. So you guys are kind of my world. And without Twitter and so forth, we uh, we wouldn't have this world. But in saying that, I'm not going to pay twenty dollars for tweet. But I'm just I'm not going to do it. It's one of those things. Lovely app. Um, if it comes down in price, great. If they want to send me a a, uh, a reviewer's code, I'll review it. Um, but it's just one of those things. If I was going to spend twenty dollars, I might give App.net a try. Let, let let me phrase it a certain way. Tweetbot is Twitter's version of App.net. Ah, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point, though, because now it's not a subscription, but it's pretty expensive. So, and look, I don't need another Twitter client. You know, I I've, I've already bought. Tweetbot twice, because of course it's not a universal app on iOS, so you've got to buy it on iPad, and you've got to buy it on iPhone. Um, and I just don't think I'll bother, bother buying it on, on the Mac. I, um, I don't feel the need. Yeah, I think uh, as good as, as well as I like Tweetbot, I think I'm going to stick with uh, yo fuck, uh, yo <laughs> damn yeah, it, I knew I was going to do yo that. Yo fuckaroo! <laughs> And, and, and you know what, that could be an interesting thing because you know we've got kangaroos out here so we call them roos so you know you fuckaroo jeez uh, <laughs> oh that's 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 just that's disturbing, disturbing. yeah anyway yeah, let, let's let's move on to non-disturbing topics see see what the man who shall remain nameless did to us he, he caused me so much frustration that the first half of the show this week was the worst half of the show we've had in like six months i'm gonna cry kevin this is just disappointing. Anyway, I won't blow you any more kisses. Then. Oh, thank God for that. Um, Apollo thirteen. Have you uh, seen the film recently? I'm trying to think. It's probably been maybe a year, maybe two years since I've seen it. It's a great flick. I love it. That's not it's too one of my bad because Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, that's, that says a bit because he's done some good movies. He's done some shockers as well. Um, remember the movie Big? <laughs> Was never really a fan of that one, but you know what? Everyone's got to start somewhere, and um, but uh, anyway, I um, I think I mentioned on, on one of the previous shows that I, I got that as a gift, uh, one of those self purchase gifts, and I hadn't seen the movie for at least eight or nine years. I had the the movie originally on VHS, and 
it was the widescreen version on VHS, which was fairly uncommon, certainly out here anyway. A few movies went widescreen on VHS, many didn't. And, um, you know, it was always very controversial at that point in time. It was like, oh, but you're not seeing as much because you've got the black bars top and bottom of the screen. It's like, no, you're seeing more because you're getting the whole widescreen effect. You've got, you know, you've seen exactly what the lens captured. Um, and it was always good, but, of course, not having a VCR. And uh, when I finally decided to sell up the, the video collection, you know, that sort of went on eBay and got sold, and I didn't have a copy. Uh, so, you know, I was able to get a copy and, um, it's just as good as it ever was. You know, it's one yeah. of my all time favorite movies and it's, it's not sci-fi because it's fact, you know, there's, there's a little bit of fiction there for creative, um, exploration of the characters and so forth. But, you know, specifically the events that happened are documented and are how they happened. And, um, what I think is the biggest Plus about that movie is the cast. And it is an all-star cast. You know, yeah, that's true. you've got Tom Hanks, Bill Pullman, um, Kevin, was, Bacon. Kevin Bacon, uh, Ed Harris, you know, and they're, they're just sort of the, the lead, lead uh, roles and so forth. And even the, the, the sort of cast underneath them was just absolutely superb. And amazingly, and this is what really... I want to have a chat about on today's show. They made that film for $50 million. And that's including paying these actors. Now, in 94, I think it was 94 when it was released, Tom Hanks was pretty much heading towards the top of his game. Throughout the 90s, he was the actor of the 90s along with Tom Cruise. Um, They just pretty much epitomized what the 90s were all about. You haven't heard a lot from them recently. Like, yeah, you have, but... They're not the superstars that they once were. There's other guys now, you know, who are bigger. Vin Diesel's one um, that just springs to mind, you know, that that popped up in the late 90s. Um, But you look at it, $50 million to make that film. They can't make a film for $50 million that's any good anymore. (laughs) It's just... Yeah, they're they're few and far between. There is no way you would get Tom Hanks... On a fifty million dollar budget, because he wouldn't take yeah. an income that low. You know, he obviously doesn't get the fifty million, but he'd be looking at the ten to twenty million range um, for for salary from it. And it's like, I was just impressed when I I went and had a look at the IMDb entry and the Wikipedia entry to see how much the production cost, and, and then they made you know half a billion dollars off it. And I just looked at that and I thought, you know that is a ton of money regardless. But movies... Now, when do movies fail in the eyes of studios these days? Because they pump too much money into it. And really, that movie was great. There wasn't anything like CGI really put in there that you turn around, you see it, and you look, oh, yeah, I can see that's a special effect. It looks stupid. It looks silly. It just worked. I mean, look, you know, I love Star Trek and I love Star Wars. But boy, the effects in some places are like, are you really kidding me? You you did that? Why? It's just absolutely awful. And actually, that's something else I go complain about. <laughs> Here, get comfortable. <laughs> get comfortable. Uh, this is a quick complaint, though. Season three onwards of Enterprise. Do you remember what they did 
to ruin the series because I forgot about it until I got up to season three. And I went, oh, shit, I forgot they did that. It's at the very beginning of the show. No, I don't remember because it's been a while since I've seen it. They changed the theme song. Now, the lyrics were the same, the vocalist was the same, and the style of music, they changed it. Instead of being this operatic, larger-than-life, let's go and explore, it, it, it's this stupid country, bumpkin, ding-ding-ding-ding kind of guitarish kind of acoustic kind of version. Whoever did that needs a bloody bullet in the head, Kevin. Because it, it absolutely ruined it. It is... Every time it comes up, it's like, where's the fast-forward button? i got to get past this shit. I'm not listening to this. It <laughs> you know, they've, they've kept the imagery the same, but it's so bad. I don't know who thought that was a bloody good idea. I can only think that it was a licensing issue or something that prevented them from, from using the original, but still... Hold on one sec, I've got a daddy call. What's up, darling? We've got a runny nose, Kevin. I gotta run. Alright. <laughs> I'll be back I'll in a on. sec. Alright. Now that I've wiped up Booger Girl and uh Oh, dear. oh poor thing. I mean gosh. She's got allergies. She's like me. So, um Yeah, it's allergy Any- time of the year and, and awful. But anyway, getting back to what I I was saying, so anyway, they, they ruined it. Although, i got to tell you, they made to Paul in season three. Woo, even more smoking than she already was. Uh, <laughs> Kevin just had a moment there, ladies and gentlemen, and, and I've no, got I'm him still, on video. Having, I, I'm still having it. <laughs> I, I've got him on video, and I, I didn't need to see what just happened. <laughs> and Anyway, so, yeah, bottom line is they, they ruined the entrance theme, and I, I'm really disappointed, that, and I completely forgot it. You know, it's been a number of years since I've seen them, and um, I completely forgot how bad it was. And I don't know if they ever changed it back in Season 4 or not. I'll just have to keep tolerating it either way. Um, but that that's disappointing. And um, well, You know, I have to ask you something. You say that about Season 3 of Star Trek uh, Enterprise. Have have you ever heard a TV's opening or a show's theme song and liked it so much that you bought the song? Yep, yep. Which and, one? And well, Enterprise is one. Um, oh, oh, do you get? Uh, do you ever see Doug the Bounty Hunter? Yes, I have seen that show. Yep, Ozzy Osbourne's song from from that that he did it only goes for like a minute thirty, but I bought that one. Okay, I'm trying to. It's been a while since I've seen that show. I bought the opening to uh, or the uh, Bare Naked Ladies doing uh, the Big Bang Theory. I, I haven't bought really... that one. Uh, you know, it's a great theme song, but I don't feel like listening to it when I'm not watching the show. If that makes sense, to to me, no, it encapsulates I... the show, but to listen to it would just make me want to watch the show. Well, maybe that's okay. It's fine. I said this a week or two weeks ago. I said if I if I happen to be watching, I always carry an episode of The Big Bang Theory around on my uh, phone or on uh, my uh, Nano that I've got with me. And if my office uh, coworkers, if I'm sitting down at my desk eating my lunch and they hear it come on, it it's it's like a magnet. 
they hear that theme song and they're all in my cubicle wanting to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to have to petition, I think, to get a 42-inch TV or, or you know, an Apple TV or something in, in, uh, in well, a big ke- plasma Kevin, in Kevin, my all, all you've got to do is charge 50 cents per viewer. You know, you've got, you got to monetize this sucker. That's illegal. Well, just between friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure... I'm, I'm sure it's illegal on more than one ground. Might get my butt canned or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. Look, it's only a few hundred thousand dollars to a million dollar fine. And what's the worst they can do? They'll throw you in jail for five or ten years or something like that. As long as they let us podcast, we'll be right. But they, they may kick me out of the country and I'll have to come live in Australia. That's right. We'd welcome you with open arms and the red carpet. No problems there. Are we going to have a big enough house for our two families to live together? Probably not. But but you know what? In the place where we're moving to, we're going to have a vacant block of land next to us so you could build a house on there. Uh-huh. Ah. So there that we go. Work. Oh, God, I just told a, the whole world that there's a vacant block next to me. That means that some asshole's going to come and build next to me, isn't it? Oh, God. Why did I do that? <laughs> I need to get on to the real estate agent. <laughs> I think I needed a I need a uh I need a winter wait a minute, what do I need? I need a summer home in Australia. Oh you wouldn't you wouldn't like our summers. You know what last year was a lot of no, no, no. summer. It's my, it's cool, my but... summer. It would be down in your winter. Oh you you need to spend six months here and then swap back, yeah. Pretty that much. Perpetually in winter. Either that or just move to Antarctica. I've thought about that, but the polar bears are a little too fast, and I've tried to bite them, and they run away. Interesting. They they yeah. smell a bit too. Just no, saying. I can pass the smell. Remember, <laughs> I, I'm I'm a bit of a redneck. We eat almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah. So anyway, Apollo thirteen. Um, great film. Great actors. Made on a shoestring budget for a blockbuster. And uh, I'd love to see them go back to, to that type of filmmaking again. It's more about the people, more about what went on versus the special effects. Now, of course, something like The Avengers, which I saw the, the week before, you couldn't do that in the old style of filmmaking. You have to do that in the CGI world. There's just no way to get around it. Otherwise, it'll look like, you know... Star Wars or Star Trek, the original series on on Blu-ray or in HD, where it's like, oh yeah, I, I can see the, the little torch coming through the back there. You know what? You know what's really bad. Do you have you ever seen? Um, of course, it was high tech for the time. The original Flash Gordon series. No, uh, they were made. I want to say they were made in the late thirties. Yeah, the late nineteen thirties. And they show the little spaceship because, you, you, I mean, you know who Flash Gordon is, right? Yeah, I, I know the background of Flash Gordon. I just haven't seen the original series. But they have the little plastic spaceship. You can kind of sort of see the little fishing line thing it's hung on. And the <laughs> rocket engine's like a, like a sparkler shooting out the back. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's kind of cool at the same time. You know, it's inventive, isn't it? It's interesting. Um Sometimes that actually adds to the I think they to the legacy kitchy. of it, really. Don't they call that kitschy? It'd be kind of kitschy-like. 
Perhaps. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly think it, it's not too bad sometimes. You know, you can... What, what I think is worse is when you look at a movie like Speed 2, uh, where they were on the boat and on the sea, and it was all CGI done, the, the boat scenes and, and the ship scenes, and they just looked so bad that even at the time, you could tell that they were CGI and fake. You know, it's whereas you look at some of the original... Um, black and white movies that are ranging anywhere from, you know, the, the 30s through the 50s. And that there's one... Well, that, actually, there's a couple that I really like, but the, the names escape me now. Um, one with Errol Flynn, he was out on out on the sea and... Um, he was always out on the sea. <laughs> um, he was always a swashbuckler of some sort. He, he was. Well, he, he did Robin Hood, remember, so there, there wasn't any yeah. sea scenes then. But I forget which movie it was. Um, he was always sticking somebody with his sharp thing. <laughs> In real life, too. Uh, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> did, I, did I go there? Yes, I did. Listen, it, it was a Aussie. I've got to be nice to the guy. Um, <laughs> now I've lost my train of thought. Uh, I'm trying to think of the movies and the special and, and, effects. Any, anyway, when you look at those old movies and, and you see sort of the water scenes, the boat scenes and stuff like that, you can see it's fake, but you look at it and it's like, it's so fake it's good. You know, that that's how I look at those types of movies that... You know, it looks fake, it is fake, but, you know, that was bleeding edge in, in those days, whereas some of the CGI, if you don't get CGI right, it just looks bad. You can't even turn around and say, oh, that looked good for the time. No, no. Terminator 2 looked great for CGI at the time. Speed 2, made many years later, in 97, I believe, so six years after Terminator 2, that thing just looked like some grad student put it together on a shoestring budget. It, you know, yet it was made by Fox. It was like, come on, guys. Yeah, that, that had to go down. Well, I'm sure listeners will correct me. That had to be one of the single worst sequels to any movie there ever was. I yeah. love Sandra Bullock. She's a great actress. Um, I mean, she was in the net. I mean, you had computers, beautiful women, and in- intrigue. I mean, how could you not enjoy the movie <laughs> The Net? Do you know, but I've actually I mean, got tired of The Net over the years, though. I really have. It's um, it's aged a little bit too much for me. Like, you know, and that was at the height of my computing interest, too, that, that style of computing. And, um, you know, it's... It was good, but now I look at it and I just go, oh, yeah, that was so 1990s. Well, you know, it, it's always tough when, when, when a movie or a show puts in the latest technology at the time. Yeah. And then you look at it later and it's so dated. I mean, what my favorite movie, I've said it on the show before, my favorite movie of all time, and the reason that I really got interested into computers, War Games, Matthew Broderick, Made in 1983. You talk about dated-looking technology. It has that Imasol computer, or Imasol, however you say it. You know, and he's putting in eight eight-inch floppy drive, uh, floppy disks into but, it. But that doesn't seem as bad as a three and a half floppy. You know what I mean? It's it's like I don't know. There's just something about the the computers in the 90s that don't seem as cool. Maybe we need to go another decade into the future. 
and then it'll be cool again. But it seems like when you look at the 80s computer technology, that was cooler than what was in the 90s when you're looking at it from the standpoint of filmmaking. True. I mean, they did a lot with a little. But, you know, you, you say the 90s stuff doesn't look cool. I have gotten, i got to find it. I think it's in my storage closet here in the a family room. Is a video that I, I don't remember how I got hold of. It's a videotape, and it's called The Mac in Business. And it's, they're using the old, uh, like, the uh, Mac, you know, the little little teeny ones, the Mac Classics. Mm-hmm. The, I the had a Classic. Classic. That would cool. Yeah. And, you know, it shows them using... You know, telling how great the Mac is for business. And then, um, you know, they're using Excel on the Mac. And, <laughs> and they're running their businesses. And there's this guy that's an architect or a builder. I can't remember. I love to pull this video out and watch it every once in a while. i got to trans- copy it off of something onto uh, electronic. I need to convert it because it's the tape's going to eventually just fade to where I won't be able to watch it anymore. Or I won't have a VCR to play it. But they had the guy that has one of the original... What was the original Mac Portable? Oh, crap. I know I'm losing points because I can't remember. The very first ones that they came out with. The big, white, clunky-looking ones. Were they the power... Oh, what was that thing? My God, you've Shoot. lost you've lost me as well. Wasn't it just called the Mac These Portable? Really, maybe it was. I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, you know, he said, all oh, this is great. It's got the two three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk. That's what the mm-hmm. point was, you know. And he's taking it out on the job site, and he's looking up <laughs> stuff on the job site. And, man, he's so productive. It's just, I, I love watching that. And if my kids happen to come around while I'm watching, they're going, what the hell is wrong? Well, they don't say what the hell. They, what the heck's wrong with that computer, you know? <laughs> and I, well, that's what computers are like. I still have a Mac Classic sitting on my desk at work. And it still works. That's cool. It's running OS seven uh, one, I think. You know, you know what's really funny when you, system seven one. Excuse me. When when you look but, at technology, it isn't it weird because okay, here's something that that really goes well for this show as a topic. We had to go bigger, but now uh, sorry, we, we had to go. Actually, there's, there's two topics here, so, so let me scrap what I was about to say and let me deal with two separate topics. With phones, we started off with big bricks, then we went as small as you could possibly make it to where they basically were not usable, to where, you know, literally it was almost like an earpiece. Now we've gone back to big clunkers, the bigger the better, even the iPhone's gone to five inches. The Android devices, you can have a seven inch phone if you want to stick something up to your head. A phablet. A phablet. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Um, So you've got that. Now, computers started off with the small monochrome screens. So they were small. They were around about the 10-inch size, just a little bit less. Then we went bigger, 21.5-inch, then 27-inch. Now, everyone wants to go back to 11-inch. Everyone wants to go back to 10-inch, and then if we do have an iPad Mini on the horizon, it's going to be a 7-inch. Because I I class the iPads as computers. I know some people would argue that point, but look, your iPhone's a computer, your Android phone's a computer. It's got computer chips in there. It runs an operating system. It's a damn computer. Get over it. Um, It may not be as powerful as, as your iMac or something, but it's still a computer. It computes. It does stuff faster than we can figure out how to do it in our head. It computes. 
And really, a calculator is a computer. Uh, and you can even go back further in, into manual calculators if you want. And, you know, they computerize something. Um, but isn't it interesting that we've gone backwards to go forwards? That we now want these small screens because of their high pixel density. I, I just think it's really, really unique and interesting that, you know, we, we'd look now at like a, a, a Mac uh, a, a Classic or, you know, or even a Color Classic and we'd go, oh, that screen's so small. But we won't have a problem buying an 11-inch MacBook Air or a uh, an iPad. Yeah. Now, well, you know, it's there's another parallel there too. I mean, back in days gone by, when I first got into computers, mainframes still existed. You had the uh, green, fluorescent green or amber terminals that we used. All your computing power was centralized, and everybody had these dumb terminals. Well, then you know the PCs came on the scene, whether they be Mac or Windows or DOS-based PCs. And then decentralized. Everything was decentralized, and the and the computing was was being done locally on your desktop. And then a few years ago, everybody started talking about well, moving everything to the cloud mm-hmm. on these big computers. These computers are the central computing power that you're using, and you'll just have this little device like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. This little device about the same size as some of the first terminals that I used <laughs> to do this. I'm going, okay, we just went full circle, and we're probably going to go around the circle uh, at least two or three more times in my lifetime, I'm beginning to think. So. <laughs> well, it kind of works that way. Even with chipsets, instead of going uh, for higher clock speeds all the time, we have basically a, a maximum heading clock speed of, say, I don't know technically what it could be, but the most coming in says about 3.6 gigahertz uh, per CPU. Uh, and I'm sure some go up to five, but um, are probably unstable and so forth. But they pretty much keep it to that. And then all they do is they keep adding processor cores. Now, that's, of course, more efficient. Um, But it's interesting because it's like you'd think, why not just increase in clock speed continuously rather than add processing cores? So we've changed and, and gone different. And it's just really intriguing when you start to think about, okay, more is now better. You know, it's... right. I, well, you, I mean, yeah, look, I'm sitting here in front of a quad-core computer that has eight separate threads running through the uh, processor. I mean, that's just truly amazing. I basically have more power sitting on my desk than probably half the servers we were using at work just five, six years ago. Yeah, it isn't it amazing, mean, and technology just keeps moving forward so quickly that you know, there just seems to be no stopping it. It, it just, you know, it. I'd, I'd love to be a, a betting man and, and be able to accurately predict where technology will go, but I don't think we can. It's moving so quickly um, that there is no possible way to predict it. Years ago, we could predict it. You know, you look at Star Trek, and they put in certain technologies that they envisaged would be possible. And we're seeing some of those technologies come to life now. Um, but there's no 
not necessarily any more forward thinking, thinking about where we're going from here. Uh, if you look at Star Trek Enterprise, um, you know, 100 to 150 years into our future, and that's what they were using, and we've already surpassed it. You know, so they they need to go back to the drawing board and you know and sort of figure it out. And it's like, I honestly don't know how they're going to do that in, in film and so forth anymore. Do you have a warp core at your house that I don't know about? No, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, I couldn't. Respond. Okay, you got you got me there. But hold on, hold on. Isn't it NASA who's working on warp drive at the moment? Uh, somebody is, I don't remember who. Yeah, yeah you're so, right. So technically, it's been worked on. Technically, it kind of is a possibility. There's yeah. certainly science back in it that, you know, it could one day, you know, actually be realistic. Um, who knows? We'll have to wait and see, and hopefully it's in our lifetime, because that would suck well, if it wasn't. Until I get my shuttlecraft where I can pop down to see you for a Friday night uh <laughs> drink or a shrimp on the barbie or whatever you want to say you know yeah that, that i'm not going to believe it until then let's put it that way yeah I, you I, know it, it'll take years to perfect and and uh even then it'll take even more years until they get them working and and everything like that I, I just hope that the singularity is near because i want to merge myself with the machine so i can be immortal either that or i've got to go and find the blood-sucking vampire to turn me so that i can see the technology um, pitying and pitying your poor wife more and more as each day passes. Um, but talking about advancements in technology... Don't you want to live forever, Kevin? Nah. I, unless I get a new body, I'm really getting kind of tired of this one. It's it's getting old and getting worn Exa- out. Exactly why we need the singularity to occur, because then we can forget about the body. Then we can just continue on. I, you know, let's look at the Borg storyline from Star Trek for a sec. Now, that storyline is absolutely the pinnacle of what humanity should be, the sharing of knowledge, the, the collation of knowledge. Unfortunately, their way about going and getting that knowledge is not the way we want it to be. No, definitely. Hold on one sec, Kevin. I've got to go and check okay. on my daughter. That's right. Secretly, Mark doesn't know that I'm still recording. So, listeners, should we talk about Honey Boo Boo while he's gone? Will he know that we've talked about Honey Boo Boo? I don't think so. So don't tell Mark that we've talked about Honey Boo Boo in his absence. Because you know, he misunderstands that poor little child. She's just trying to win a beauty pageant. Just so Mama June can make her some more sketty. Oh, here he comes. Let's stop. We don't want to continue to talk about Honey Boo Boo while he's not here. I heard that, Kevin! Just having a private mm. chat with listeners. I've put my angry eyes on. And that kind of looks like a koala bear that's taking a poop, so I'm sorry it doesn't work. Well, at least I took the poop. I thought I looked a bit constipated, but anyway. Um... <laughs> Well, uh, my daughter was scared of a fly, and she was crying because the fly was flying around her, and it's like, oh, you got to get used to flies. We live in a country with flies. Oh, boy. Um, the, the magic of editing will solve that. So anyway, we were talking about warp drive and the... Um... And the singularity. And, um, you know, I, I just want to 
be melded with machine. I want to be like the Borg, just not as brain dead as they are. Well, I want to be an individual, but I want to be a collective as well. Does that make any sense, or am I completely insane? A little bit of all, all of those things. The only problem I have with the singularity, the Borg are okay in the one good part. Because they keep the ladies, and the ladies still have the soft, squishy bits that I like so much. <laughs> yes, yeah. Jerry Ryan did do a good job as uh, Seven of Nine. Yeah, that's yeah. I, if, she she if, is if, the reason why I love Voyager so much. I swear, she's the reason for it. <laughs> Just saying, she could, she could convert me to a Borg. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a Borg with a smile, but that's beside the point. <laughs> But, but 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 talking about technology, I shared with Mark a link in the show notes, um, you know, and geeks and everything. We talked about geeks since the man who shall remain nameless said we weren't truly geeks. I shared a link with Mark in the show notes, or a link that we'll put in the show notes, uh, talking about uh, Samsung just released their new Chromebook. Talking about an advancement in technology. This is a new computer, you know, I mean, we're Mac geeks. We love Mac stuff. But this thing looks cool, and if I had an extra two hundred and fifty bucks, I would order one right now. I mean, it's not even running—I um, forget—it's running Samsung's own processor. But the neat part about it is, I mean, it's running the OS that's Chrome OS, and it's basically relying on cloud services to do everything. It's a little lightweight computer, um, probably not as lightweight as uh, you know an eleven-inch MacBook Air. It's got about the same size screen. But I think this thing would just be so cool to mess around with and dink and donk around with. Uh, I'd love to have one. If I had an extra $249, the the article that I linked to for Mark to put in the show notes, though, is they say it's getting a bad rap because a lot of the people are classifying it as a netbooks. And we all know the stigma related to netbooks and uh, the cheap, quality and all that and how Steve Jobs said, you know, you'd never want a netbook or anything like that. And then we get the eleven inch MacBook Air, so we might want to call a little BS there. I'm not hundred percent certain. Well that. if you look at everything Steve Jobs said, you got you gotta turn it around. He said that vi- people would never watch video on a small screen device and then videos came out. He said that people would never read books on a digital device and then the iBook store came out. It it was almost code for um, if I say that no one's going to do it, then that's what we're working on. Well, yeah, I mean, and he said nobody would ever want a seven-inch tablet. Yep. And, and, what and we, we maybe, got... maybe it'll come out. I'm not saying it will, though, because otherwise, if I say it will now, then I'm going to have everyone jumping down my throat and saying, oh, you, you can't sit on the fence. No, no, I'm going on record. I am going on record right here. Right now, as we record this in the United States, it's October Friday, October 19th, the year 2012, and I firmly, 100% predict that at Apple's event on the 26th, I think it is, or the, no, the, whatever date the event is, it's coming up next week, they're going to announce something. Sure. And they're going to announce new iMacs, they're going to announce new Mac Mini, and they may, they may even... You can't guarantee that. I'm just guaranteeing they're well, announcing something. I, I, okay, I can't guarantee it, but it's more likely. And the reason why it's more likely is because the iMacs now are over a year old, as are the, the Mac Mini, so they're in need of a refresh. 
Uh, and secondly, they may have even fast-tracked the Mac Pro, the new Mac Pro, when they say in, in the invite that we have a, a little more for you. What's to say that this announcement next week isn't going to be a little more as in a tinier version of the Mac Pro for the Pro market, like a cube-size Pro, something like that? Who's, who's to say that that's not it? I don't know. I, I, I'm having a hard time figuring out what they're going to announce. And I've heard, you know, new Macs or new iMacs, new Mac Minis, uh, 13-inch MacBook with Retina display, the iPod or excuse me, the iPad Mini, uh, yeah. updates to the iBooks thing. I, Kevin, you know why I do doubt the um, the iPad Mini, and I, I may be proven this week to be totally incorrect about it. The reason why. I suppose I worry or fear about them doing that is because I, I look at the availability of iPhone 5. Now, it's been out for a month, and it's still... If you order it online in Australia and in the US, it's still three to four weeks waiting time. And if you want it in Australia, you can't walk into a retail store and purchase it. You've got to book it, you know, and hope that they've actually got stock at the store. So it's, it's not reliable and it's not there. Now, Apple have never, to my knowledge, released a product this late for the Christmas market. So, if it takes two months to get the iPhone 5 and the demand for that fulfilled until things are back to, hey, you can walk into a store and pick one up, then we're going to be right on top of Christmas. Yeah. And I I just don't know why Apple would do something like that, a brand new major product, plus if... Some people are saying, well, it's for education. And my view is it's the wrong time of the year for education. Not necessarily. Because you've got a lot of educational institutions that are not institutions, I won't say. Well, maybe institutions that are working on their budget for next year. So they're doing their budget process so that if Apple, you know, this is, this is purely hypothetical on my part, so that if Apple announces, you know, the iPad Mini, and there's something to it, um, and they say, okay, here's the price point, and it's this killer price point, you know, we've heard all kinds of numbers thrown around, they say, okay, we've got time to incorporate that into our budget preparations, budgets being, you know, started at different times during the year, so they're preparing their next year budget to take to whatever approval authority and process that they have to go through, um, it, it may not be the wrong time of year. I'm, you know, I'm, hmm. I'm not on the fence. I do think we will get an iPad mini at some time. I'm just not a hundred percent convinced that that's what next week's announcement is going to be. I'm also not convinced that they're going to announce, um, a whole range of, of new Macintoshes either. Hmm. So I, I think, you know, maybe one new Mac or something like that. I do not see them doing a lot of it. It just doesn't make sense this uh, at this point for them to do something. Maybe speed bumps and stuff and all that. Well, they, they need to fill their hour press release. You know, they need to fill their hour presentation. You can't just release like an iPad mini and that's going to take the hour. There's no way because but, people already know what an iPad is. But you got to remember, too, was it not about this time last year, or maybe it's been two years ago, I'm losing track of time, when they announced all the stuff around um, 
uh, iBooks and that iBooks. Was, that was January. Was it January? Gen- January or February? I'm I'm fairly sure. Um, and that's why I say it's the wrong time of the year for education and to uh, expand into that kind of market. Um, and admittedly, I'm just going to have a, a quick look on. Um, on, on Wikipedia, I, I books uh, I book author, and uh, yeah, I books, and and just see when it was announced because you know uh, it was announced nineteenth uh, of January two thousand twelve, but that's when it was released. So it was, it was actually um, I don't know when it was announced, but it was only like a few days before or the same day, and then they released it. Um, so it, it was still a January release, which makes me think that that's the better time frame to get something educational based out. And I see something like the possibility of a 7-inch tablet as being perfect for education. But if they're aiming it at education, I say it's the wrong time of year. If they're aiming it as at a kid family market for the run-up to Christmas, then it's very convoluted because you've got the iPod Touch with the five-inch screen to throw in there as well. So it adds to a level of confusion for people buying it for gifts and so forth. And, look, you know, I may be completely running my hypothesis of it, but I just I don't see that they're going to release a brand spanking new product that will sell like hotcakes two months before Christmas. I just... I don't see that they'd do that. I think that that would be disaster. I really... They could release a Mac or a series of Macs because they don't sell as well as the the iPad and iOS devices do. But if they release a new type of iOS device, they're going to pretty much run out of sales very quickly. They're just going to run out of product. Unless they've been building this thing for six months and they've literally just got it ready to dump and dump in mass volume. Well, I mean, that's that's some of the things that you're hearing is that they've got, you know, 10 million or plan to have 10 million ready by... Well, uh, so, I mid- suppose it is old technology too, isn't it? You know, it, it, it well, we don't know, but it's, it's rumoured that it's using the same screen density as as the um, the original iPad 2. So even if you look at reutilizing the, the processors and and so forth and the graphics processors out of the iPad 2 line, you wouldn't have to remanufacture those parts. You could just switch them across. I don't know if it would even fit in the same form factor, but there'd be a smaller battery, no doubt. So it'll be interesting. But yeah. then there's another interesting thought. Why release a, a 7-inch iPad to just compete with all the Android devices when you've got the iPad 2 that's already $100 cheaper than the third gen iPad. You sort of look at it and you think, where, where does this product fit in? And I'm, I'm still struggling, you know. I just don't know where it fits in. A, a cheaper iPad makes sense. A smaller iPad makes sense to me because I don't take my iPad out of the house. It's too big, it's too bulky. Um, but a cheaper iPad, I think, would make more sense for education. If you, even if you look at education, is seven inch really too small? Because you want the kids to be able to interact properly. I mean, maybe Apple did hit the sweet spot with the nine point seven inch screen that it works well. I certainly look at my kids and how they play with it, and there's plenty of room there. 
Whereas I look at when they're playing on the iPhone, when, you know, I give it to them occasionally, and even then with their small fingers, they seem a little bit cramped and, and, and sort of holding it a certain way to, to play a game or something. Yeah, so, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I like my iPad. Um, I wish it were I was six, though. <laughs> Not that I'm bitter or anything. No, just don't, just don't do banking or online purchasing with it. You'll be right. Wouldn't, wouldn't do either one. Uh, never have. The, uh, but it, it is a, it's a good form factor, but I still say that if I really want to compute on the go, that something like the Chromebook that I was just talking about, a MacBook Air 11, 13 inch, whichever way you want to go, or even a, um, Ultrabook, mm-hmm. you know, that have become, uh, well, I won't say they're extremely popular cause I don't think they're selling as well as they had hoped they would. That's the type of device I want. Maybe that's old-fashioned, but I like the idea that I've got everything together, one little package. I mean, yes, the iPod, the iPod. iPad's great, but if I'm going to do much of anything, I'm going to need a regular or a, a, a regular keyboard. doesn't even have to be a full-size keyboard. I'm not going to want to because the on-screen keyboard limits... What you the amount of real estate you can see to work with and mm-hmm. and all those things. So you know, yeah, I, I, maybe I that, agree with you. The, yeah, the only time, is, sorry, I would say maybe it is the right size. But if I'm going to be really productive, I want a full laptop. Yeah, I mean the only time I actually use it is when I'm writing and I want to be, you know, not distracted with anything else. I find my iMac I have too many distractions on there. Um, but in saying that, if you have something like an 11-inch, it's going to perform the same way as your iPad is anyway because you're only going to be able to use one app at a time, really. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely say that something like the Chromebook that, you know, we'll put in the show notes, um, any sort of device like that is, in many ways, to many people, more beneficial. I know to some people it's not. Um but look, I've tried with, with everything I do and, and with all the different sites I write for, they all use different platforms and whilst you've got some things like you've got Blogsy, which works well, it's still not as good as going natively on WordPress, for instance. It's still not as good, you know, going natively on Squarespace in the web browser. And that that's that's an issue. When you want when you're creating content you want to make it easy. You can do it, but it does take two to three times longer than it would if you just had the the device there ready to go. So, Well, you know, I, for a long time, when they first came out, I had a little HP netbook. Mm-hmm. I loved that little thing. That was the handiest little computer to carry around. Oh, they're great. Um, I, I, you know, it wasn't overpowered. I mean... But I but I used it a lot for different things. I even used it a little bit like we use the iPad. We were going someplace with the kids, and they wanted to be able to watch movies. I had an SD card that uh, I think it's it might have been an eight or a sixteen gigabyte SD card. I put a crapload of movies on it. Put VLC on the netbook. It was a great little thing. I could throw it up on the dash. You know, if we were sitting mm-hmm. someplace waiting. It up on the deck. I did. Matter of fact, a few years ago, I did it at the Fourth of July. I set it up on the dash, waiting before the fireworks start. I set it up on the dash of my truck. We all sat there, watched the movie until the fireworks started. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. 
So, I mean, they were great. So, I, I, I hear. I mean, we've gone way off topic here, so to speak. But, but that, I mean, that's, that's all right. We, we do, but we talk about interesting stuff that interests us. That's why we're geeks, because we get into a topic and we never stop talking about it. So, um, yeah, there I we mean, go. We've, we've gone full circle now, back to our original complaint about, oh, you can't be a geek if you're on alpha or beta software. Oh, my God. I'm an alpha person because I haven't uh, matured enough to be even a beta release of a human being, some people would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well said. Maybe you'll get to version one one day, Kevin. And on that note, I think we better wrap out the show and call it a week. Um, where can, can people find alpha version Kevin online this week? You can find the alpha version with a little beta strewn in um, on twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. Or, as always, you can go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder, and you'll see links to the other things I may have stuck my finger into, stepped on, or otherwise been a part of. Fantastic. And for anything relating to me, simply head across to markgreentree.com. And for anything relating to the show, head across to geekiestshowever.com and send us some feedback, gse at mymac.com. And please go to iTunes, leave us some feedback. I, I haven't checked, I should have checked, we mentioned it last week, whether everyone went and left feedback. If you haven't left feedback, please go back and, and leave it. We want the show to uh, be bigger than big, so uh, please go and do that. Until next week... Take care, and thank you for downloading and subscribing. And don't forget, between now and next week, to hug a geek. Ever think about becoming a podcaster? Thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard. Well, we have a solution. The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast and it seemed way too daunting, drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of TechFan. I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting, and I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for primetime. time.